Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're watching. I'm glad that you joined us for worship today. We're grateful to God for his blessings upon us during these unusual days. And whether you are part of the family of First Baptist Belton or you're our guest, whatever the case may be, my prayer is with you that God will bless you and strengthen you during these days. And I'm so glad that you've chosen to be part of this time of worship with us on this Lord's Day. Now, today we're continuing our series in the glory of the gospel from the book of Galatians. But next Sunday, first Sunday in August, we're going to veer off of this for a little bit. And we're going to talk about some other things. And then we'll come back to finish up Galatians because from a pastoral perspective, the two most exciting chapters of Galatians are chapters 5 and 6. So I certainly don't want to forsake those chapters, but we're going to put them off for just a little bit while we talk about some issues during these days that are confronting us as individual believers, uh, us as a church family, and certainly our nation and indeed the world. So we'll deal with that for a little while and then get back to Galatians. Now today we are in the fourth chapter, finishing it up, as we talk about the glory of the gospel, coexistence, is impossible. So open your Bibles to the fourth chapter of Galatians, verse 21, and we'll read there in just a few moments. So let me uh, make a stab at a definition for coexistence. Uh, Let's try to work through this and see what we think. Coexistence, when two or more people or organizations or countries occupy or are near one another or occupy the same space. And this can be physical or spiritual or philosophical. When two or more people, two or more organizations, two or more countries are close together or occupy the same space philosophically or physically, And they do so in peace with mutual respect, even though core beliefs are far apart. Now, I hope that makes some sense. I hope you were able to sort through all of that. Coexistence will not work if one entity, person, or country tries to dominate the other or make the other subservient. Now, many of you watching today are old enough to remember the fragile coexistence that existed between the United States and the Soviet Union during the Cold War. Freedom and communism in a shaky form of coexistence that was threatened innumerable times over the years of from the end of World War II until the early 1990s. And that coexistence only survived because freedom was strong, 
freedom refused to bow down, and at its heart, freedom was built on a moral foundation. Freedom exhibited strength in the face of an often toxic bully. Finally, the godless fell, and loud was the sound of her fall. Well, let's go from that high and lofty level to a home story. My childhood. When I was born, my sister had a dog. The dog was a purebred Cocker Spaniel named Chippy. Now, I have no recollection of Chippy. I was too young, but I've seen pictures of Chippy, and he was a beautiful, beautiful dog. Well, Chippy did not like me. From the moment my parents brought me home from the hospital, Chippy apparently saw me as an intruder, as one who was in competition for affection. And Chippy apparently did not comprehend that there was plenty of love in the house to go around to include him. He didn't see it that way, not at all. In fact, Chippy was very aggressive toward me and tried to bite me on several occasions. And my parents saw that coexistence would not work. So Chippy was found a new place to live. Now, I don't know how long it took my parents to decide between Chippy and me. My sister has told me it took a long time. I don't really know that I believe that. But ultimately, they decided there was not room for me and Chippy in the same house. Good and evil cannot coexist. Sin and holiness cannot coexist. Truth and error cannot coexist. Right and wrong cannot coexist. Is there a place for the Judaizers in the church, for the legalists? Paul's answer is a resounding no, which then takes us back as a reminder, a refresher, or for those joining us for the first time, why was Galatians written? Paul wrote the epistle to the churches in Galatia because he had gone there on a missionary journey, had shared the gospel, led many to faith in Christ, started the church in Galatia, and had many fond and happy memories of his time there, even though while he was there he grew very sick, but the church took very good care of him, and so his memories were fond memories. But Paul had received word that Judaizers, as they were called, that is, Jews who claimed to have become followers of Christ, went up from Jerusalem to Galatia, and there were telling the people in Galatia that, yes, you're saved by grace through faith in Christ, but not in Christ alone. You continue in Christ by works of the law or by the rituals or by the sacrifices or by circumcision or, in effect, by becoming a Jew. And so they were teaching you're not saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. You don't continue by grace through faith in Christ alone, but rather Christ plus 
Today, there are those who would feel the same. It's not just Christ alone, but it's Christ plus church membership or baptism or the Lord's Supper or certain gifts of the Holy Spirit or good works, good deeds. Those are the things by which you continue in Christ. So Paul was very upset, and that's why he wrote this epistle to the churches in Galatia. And he was very direct and very firm, yet through the words of the text, you can tell he loves the believers in Galatia, and he's very disappointed and wants them to get back on the right track again. So with that in mind, let's read today's text, and it's an interesting one. Some of the words may not be totally familiar to everybody. Others of you know the stories well. So we'll catch up on all that in a moment. Verse 21 of chapter 4. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The woman represent, the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. Mount Sinai being where God gave Moses the law. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem where the Judaizers had come from in a place where Christ was never accepted and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above, that is the heavenly Jerusalem, is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Speaking of Sarah. Now, you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son was born according to the flesh, that was born according to the flesh, persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It's the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we're not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. All right, understand Paul is taking an illustration and applying it to this thought of are we saved by grace through faith in Christ alone or by Christ plus? Do we continue by through Christ alone or by Christ plus? And so he's using a story to illustrate, trying to drive, to drive it home. And really when we get to the first part of chapter five, he's going to finish with, with this subject and then close out with some practical ways that the believers in Galatia should live. But he's trying to get all this wrapped up and say, okay, I don't know what else to say. If what I have said does not convince you, then then I don't know what to do from this point forward. So as we think about the glory of the gospel, coexistence is impossible. I want us to think about three things, and the first is this, the history behind the story. The Judaizers were saying Christ plus Old Testament law, rituals, sacrifices, circumcision, you got to become a Jew. Today, voices like this would say baptism, church membership, Lord's Supper, good works, certain gifts of the Holy Spirit, Christ plus. Can 
they coexist? Paul says, no, they cannot. Paul took the Old Testament story of Ishmael and Isaac, the two sons of Abraham, and drew truths about the Christian's relationship to the law. Now, these are real events. Sarah, Abraham, Ishmael, Hagar, Isaac, all of these, these are real events. But Paul is using them figuratively, or we might say as an allegory. According to his own words, he's using them figuratively. An allegory is a narrative that has a deeper meaning behind it. For example, one of the greatest books ever written was John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, which I'm sure many of you have read, and it's an allegory, and it's a great and fantastic story and a great learning experience for every believer in Christ. In an allegory, persons and actions represent hidden meanings so that the story can then be read at two levels, the literal and the symbolic. Now, this is not a license for us to do that with all of Scripture. Paul himself says that I'm taking this real story that really happened and I'm using it figuratively to apply to the situation that you're in in Galatia. Real events that illustrate spiritual truth. If you want to refamiliarize yourself with this whole story, go back to Genesis and read from the 12th chapter to the 21st chapter, and you'll get the whole picture. But a synopsis of it for our purpose is this. Abraham, 75 years old, lives in Ur of the Chaldees, and God says to him, Abraham, I want you to move to a place I'm going to show you. Get your family, your flocks, everything you own, fold up your tents and take off, and I'm going to show you where to go. Now, they would end up, we know, in the land of Canaan. And in this process, in speaking to Abraham, God promises many descendants and to make a great nation out of Abraham's descendants. Abraham's married to Sarah. He and Sarah are too old to have children, humanly speaking. So God is going to have to do this. And Abraham believes that he will. And he walks by faith. And the scripture says that Abraham walked by faith and he is pronounced righteous because of his faith in God. Now, there also is that ultimate promise to bless the whole world through the, through the seed of Abraham. And we know that that is in the person of Jesus. So that happened at 75. Abraham takes off, goes where God shows him to go. They end up in Canaan. And at age 85, no baby. They like where they're living. It's a good place. But no baby yet. And uh, Sarah is impatient. And so she suggests that Abraham sleep with her maid, whose name was Hagar, and that that he try to have a baby by Hagar. And in the society of that day, a slave's child, and Hagar was a slave, a slave's child becomes the child of the master, and therefore the thinking of Sarah was, we'll keep God's promise for him through this child of Hagar. Now, Now notice how Sarah's inserting herself here and trying to take control of what God said he would do. Now, Abraham uh, should have said no, but he didn't. He slept with Hagar, and as you know from the story, this is not God's will, but Abraham does it, 
and he too hoping for the long promised son and he keeps thinking i'm 85 you know something's got to happen so uh, hagar gets pregnant and immediately sarah's jealous it's her idea but hagar's pregnant and sarah gets jealous and so sarah throws hagar out says you hit the road hit the road hagar but god intervenes and brings her back and so there begins then this coexistence of sorts eventually much not much longer she gives birth to a son named ishmael and there begins this uneasy coexistence abraham sarah hagar and ishmael but abraham loved his son ishmael without question the scripture makes it clear abraham loved him now at the age of 99 14 years later, God speaks again to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, the baby's coming. And Sarah is going to give birth to a child, a boy. And you're to name him Isaac, which means laughter. Read the text. There's a reason for that. And God affirms that by not only telling Sarah, but telling Abraham, telling Abraham and telling Sarah, both. And by the time Abraham is 100 years of age, Isaac is born. An amazing miracle, God keeping his promise of exactly what he said he would do. Now, Ishmael, like Chippy, has a rival. For 14 years, Ishmael has been the one and only. He's been loved by Abraham. So how is he now going to respond at the birth of Isaac? Well, at the age of 103, three years later, as was customary in that part of the world, uh, they weaned the child at the age of three and had a big celebration. And at the feast that was part of the celebration, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking the young child Isaac, and it infuriated her. She told Abraham, and she said, they've got to go. And Abraham said, yep, they've got to go. And they forced Sarah and Hagar, I mean, uh, Hagar and Ishmael to leave because the conclusion was drawn. There cannot be any coexistence between Hagar, Ishmael, and our boy, Isaac. Now, Abraham's heart was broken to a degree because he loved Ishmael, but in time, he certainly grows to understand why this happened. So Hagar and Ishmael go. Lest you think too badly of the whole situation, God protected and provided for Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, but coexistence was not possible. As you probably know, Ishmael became the father of the Arab people. And the conflict between Ishmael and Isaac continues, of course, to this day. And so Paul has a lesson to teach from this story. That leads us then to the second thing. The truth behind the names. Now, let's dig in here. The truth behind the names. Ishmael and Isaac. Two births. Ishmael represented the physical birth that makes us sinners. The moment you're born, you have a sin nature, you're a sinner. Isaac's birth was the representative of the spiritual birth that makes us God's children. Isaac was born by a work of God for a couple as old as Abraham and Sarah to have a child. 
It had to be a work of God, and it was. Just like our salvation is a work of God. Now, are, are you beginning to see why Paul told this story? Hang, hang on. Paul told this story for a taking this real-life event, event and figuratively using it to illustrate what it means to be a Christ follower for those Galatian believers and for us. Not only that, but Isaac brought joy. His name meant laughter. And in our experience with Christ, the new birth brings us joy. And Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. And he also said, let my joy be in you. And then, like Isaac grew and was weaned, we grow in Christ. And we ultimately lay aside childish things if we are faithful in our fellowship of Jesus. And like Isaac was persecuted by the mockery of Ishmael, so we as Christ followers experience persecution and pain and suffering. So here's why Paul is using this, these real life events and these real life people as an illustration to help the Galatians understand. Hagar represents the law. Sarah represents grace. All laid out by Paul in these verses. Ishmael represented flesh. Isaac represented the spirit. Hagar was not Abraham's wife. She was a slave. She was not meant to have Abraham's child. But she gave birth to the child who then himself was a slave and they were cast out. Sarah represented God's grace. She bore the promised child. She was Abraham's wife. As Hagar and Sarah could not coexist, as Ishmael and Isaac could not coexist, so grace and faith cannot coexist with law and legalism. That's the point Paul is making. Christ cannot exist coexist with sin. Grace through faith in Christ alone cannot coexist with Christ plus anything. Chippy could not coexist with me, so grace and faith cannot coexist with law. And that's Paul's point. That's Paul's position. Now, let's go to the third thing, the blessings of grace through faith in Christ alone. The blessings of grace through faith in Christ alone. We, like Isaac, are children of promise by grace through faith in Christ alone. The law, legalism, the old nature of sin want to persecute us and place us in bondage. And that's what frightened Paul, he saw the Galatian believers beginning to be sucked into the bondage that comes with legalism, the bondage that comes with Christ plus anything. So we cannot compromise or adapt or accommodate. We must throw them out. And that is the message that Paul is giving to the church in Galatia. You must Bid the Judaizers farewell because you cannot coexist with them. There is no way that you can do that. Now, we have then life and joy 
and blessing and peace and security when we become Christ followers by grace through faith in Christ alone. We have the blessings of security and joy and peace, life itself. Legalism says we are spiritual if we do this and if we do that, if we think this and if we think that, if we say this and if we say that, if we don't do this and if we don't do that, then that is a sign of our spirituality and necessary for our continuing walk with God. All of that leaving us in bondage and creating divisions in the church, conflict in the body of Christ. Now, I'll give this aside. That is why most legalistic churches are small churches. I'm not trying to cast a blanket over all of them. There may be exceptions. But most legalistic churches are small churches because their legalism leads them to fight all the time. And so there's one division after another, these people leaving, these people coming, and there can be no coexistence, Paul says, between those who follow by grace through faith in Christ alone and those who say it is Christ plus. Hagar and Ishmael can't live with Sarah and Isaac. Neither can law and legalism live with grace and faith. And sin cannot coexist in our hearts as servants of Christ. That is not compatible with the joy of a believer. So, what has to go from your heart and life today? I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're watching from, but I just want to ask you one more question before we leave today. Do you know Jesus? If the answer to that question is no or I'm not sure, then I want to plead with you this morning to call out to Jesus. Say to him, Jesus, you are Lord. Come into my life today. Forgive me of my sin. I want you to be my Savior. And it is my desire to follow you from this point forward. And if you'll pray that prayer, then let us know. There's contact information on the screen in front of you. Let us know. We'd like to follow up with you and give you some things that will help you to grow as a Christ follower. God bless you, church. Thank you for your faithfulness in praying in upholding the work of the church in your stewardship. Thank you for finding creative ways to bless the lives of those in your neighborhood, those in your family, those in the community. Thank you for doing that. And we pray that this virus will come to an end soon. We long for the day when we'll all be back together in this room worshiping, and we pray that it won't be long, and we're trusting God to do what only He can do. So today, I close with this benediction from Jude that we've been praying every Sunday since March 15th. To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you all. 
Thank you for listening today. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, to help, and to encourage. 